Part One, Chapters Seven and Eight of Perkins the Faker: A Travesty on Reincarnation by Edward S. Van Zyl. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. When Reginald was Caroline, Chapter Seven, Irritation and Consolation. Waste not your hour, nor in the vain pursuit of this and that endeavor and dispute. Better be merry with the fruitful grape than sadden after none or bitter fruit. Omar Kayam. I must get on more rapidly with my narrative. It has been a great temptation to me to indulge in conjectures and surmises regarding the sole displacement that may make my story a presentment worthy of attentive consideration from the Society for Psychical Research. But from the outset I have endeavored to resist this inclination and to give to the reader merely a bald statement of facts in their actual sequence it must be apparent by this time furthermore that i am not fitted by education to discuss the uncanny problems begotten by the strange affliction that had befallen my wife and myself that i have become perforce a sadder and wiser man may be true but despite my practical experience of what may be called instability of soul i am not in any sense a psychologist from various points of view therefore it seems best that i should eschew all philosophical or scientific comments on the curious phenomena with which i have been forced to deal leaving as it were the circumference of my story to the care of the erudite and confining my own endeavour strictly to its diameter behold me then fresh from suzanne's deft hands confronting caroline's bosom friend mrs taunton across the luncheon-table our conversation if my memory is not at fault ran something as follows you look flushed and excited caroline said mrs taunton a large blonde absurdly haughty woman strangely unlike little van tromp her poetical brother something has happened to upset you my dear well rather i could not refrain from exclaiming what the deuce was mrs taunton's given name if i did not recall it soon she would begin to wonder at caroline's peculiar bearing it was not mrs taunton however who was driving me toward hysteria to find myself again in the realm over which the phlegmatic but terrifying jones presided was to lose confidence in my ability to stem the tide of disaster jones was so conservative such a radical change as i had undergone would be even more incomprehensible to him than it had been to me i realized vaguely that i had grown to be supersensitive and that what i took to be suspicion in the butler's eyes must be a product of my own overwrought nerves but struggle as i might against the impression i could not free myself from the feeling that jones watched me furtively questioningly as if he had gained possession of a clue to a great mystery tell me all about it caroline urged mrs taunton sweetly if you were not so beautiful my dear you would not have so much trouble the blood rushed into caroline's cheeks and i found myself glaring angrily at jones who was serving croquettes to mrs taunton the latter had displayed the most wretched taste in praising my or rather caroline's appearance before the butler but mrs taunton evidently looked upon a servant as a mere automaton not to be considered even in heart-to-heart -heart talks with young women my growing annoyance made itself manifest in caroline's voice as i stammered my uh beauty such as it is don't you know is is only uh skin deep but my troubles ah jones don't be so slow spend as much time outside as you can will you 
mrs taunton stared at me in amazement while jones showing no signs of emotion made a most dignified exit what is the matter with you caroline asked my vis-a-vis anxiously i never heard you speak like that before an explanation seemed to be due to my guest it's curious don't you know i began lamely trying to recall mrs taunton's baptismal name it's curious ah my dear what an intense repulsion i feel toward that man jones it came upon me suddenly it's intermittent not chronic i think but it's all there and means business did you ever feel that way caroline gasped mrs taunton pained surprise resting upon her patrician face it's beneath me i acknowledge i went on feverishly making an effort to eat a croquette between sentences a butler is merely a necessary piece of movable furniture and should ah uh, not arouse a feeling of antagonism but jones has got an eye to ah uh, induce intoxication caroline queried mrs taunton solemnly have you forgive me my dear for the question have you been taking anything a fair exchange is no robbery i remarked impulsively in my own defence but mrs taunton's face assured me that i had spoken irrelevantly i should advise a cup of black coffee caroline said my guest in her iciest tone we'll wait a bit if you don't mind i ventured to suggest no coffee without jones i'm not quite up to jones at this moment er my dear mrs taunton held my gaze to hers and her light grey eyes chilled me it was evident that little van tromp's sister had no poetical nonsense in her make-up practical obstinate strong-willed she seemed to be as she endeavoured to solve from caroline's beautiful eyes the mystery of my eccentric demeanour your sudden and inexplicable aversion to your butler caroline remarked my guest presently apparently desirous of soothing my nerves by a poultice of gossip reminds me of the lecture upon buddhism that i heard yesterday morning an adept from india yamama i think is his name talk to us you know about our western blindness as he called it to the marvels of soul sensitiveness my fork rattled against my plate and i gazed down in dismay at caroline's trembling hand mrs taunton overlooked my agitation and continued he was so entertaining but it's all absurd of course louise told me that you were going with her to hear him this morning yes i managed to gasp she uh louise called me up by the phone i couldn't get away you see ah my dear it's such utter nonsense don't you know went on mrs taunton evidently convinced that the worst was over with me i made notes just for practice he the adept or whatever he was was a lovely piece of mahogany with perfectly stunning eyes i memorized one of my notes the dear little brownie said just listen to this caroline the hindu conception of reincarnation embraces all existence gods men animals plants minerals it is believed that everything migrates from buddha down to inert matter buddha himself was born an ascetic eighty-three times a monarch fifty-eight times the soul of a tree forty-three times and many other times as an ape deer lion snipe chicken eagle serpent pig frog four hundred times in all isn't it all perfectly silly good gracious caroline what is the matter with you are you faint just a bit rocky 
i found sufficient nerve to say are you quite sure uh my dear that he said pigs and-and frogs mrs taunton caught her breath as if she struggled to swallow her amazement you ought to be in bed caroline she said severely if you could get to sleep my dear et tu brute i murmured with sardonic playfulness look here ah uh, my dear you can find a change in your caroline eh you have suspected me of drinking and now you imply that i need sleep i swear that the next person who hints that i'm not up for all days shall hear something to to uh, her disadvantage such talk was madness mrs taunton very naturally resented my childish ultimatum she arose from her chair with a cool calm dignity that shocked me like a cold shower bath i regret caroline that i find my patience exhausted she remarked more in sadness than in wrath transfixing me with her pale grey eyes i shall leave you now but not in anger i can see plainly enough that you are not yourself don't you dare to say that in public uh, mrs taunton i cried hotly fearful that as it was jones might have overheard her remark reason assured me that her words were used figuratively but the undeniable fact that she had hit the target and rung the bell drove me to desperation mrs taunton gazed at me for a moment in mingled scorn and astonishment and then swept from the dining-room with head high in air and a rustle of skirts that seemed to sweep caroline into outer darkness the next thing that i remember as the flamboyant romancers remark was an entrance even more theatrical than mrs taunton's exit jones impressing my errant fancy as nemesis in the semblance of an imported butler strode into the room bearing a tray upon which rested a coffee-pot the aroma from which stirred hope in my heart much as i detested jones i welcomed the stimulant that he carried toward me if mrs taunton's disappearance surprised him he succeeded in suppressing any outward exhibition of emotion realizing for the moment that my fear of the man was unreasonable i summoned common sense to my aid and said one good bracer deserves another jones put a stick into my coffee will you the butler gave me a furtive glance a cross between an exclamation and an interrogation brandy madam he asked smoothly when he had fortified my coffee with a dash of fine old french cognac i looked him straight in the eye jones i said impressively mr stevens has complained of you of late but i don't want you to lose your place i shall see to it that my ah uh, husband becomes reconciled to you but you must obey my instructions to the letter to begin with you are to leave this room at once close the door stand on guard outside and allow no one to disturb me until i give you word if you open the door before i call to you you leave the house immediately do you understand me yes madam gasped jones thrown out of his orbit for once but he retained sufficient self-control to make a hurried exit noisily shutting the door behind him i swallowed my coffee and cognac at a gulp and stumbled toward the sideboard after a short search i came upon a box of excellent cigars presently i was seated at the luncheon-table again sipping a pony of brandy neat and blowing cigar smoke into the air for a glorious half-hour i reflected joyously i could enjoy myself in my own way glancing over my shoulder i caught sight of my reflection in the sideboard mirror caroline with a long black panatella between her beautiful lips 
held a pony of brandy poised in the air with the other hand raised to remove the cigar from her mouth an inexplicable wave of diabolical exultation swept over me bowing to my wife's handsome image which cordially returned the salutation i removed my cigar and raised the brandy to caroline's mouth here's how my dear i cried gaily no heel-taps caroline's reflection drank the toast and the warm glow of good-fellowship that crept through my veins reconciled me for the time being to my strange uncanny fate chapter eight news from caroline young and enterprising is the west old and meditative is the east turn o youth with intellectual zest where the sage invites thee to his feast milnes on the whole i enjoyed my cigar the waters of affliction had rolled over me and i basked in the sunshine of peaceful comfort for a full half-hour under like conditions many good fellows of my set would have toyed too freely with the cognac but i was cautious and conservative as regards the liquor i glanced at caroline's face which wore a humorous smile as it gazed at me from the mirror spirits i cried facetiously winking at caroline's reflection and receiving a winking response spirits are to be handled with care my dear there's no telling what they may do to us at first i derived considerable amusement from the grotesque effects that i could obtain from the juxtaposition of my cigar in caroline's delicate face if it was a kind of sacrilege to sit there and watch the smoke issuing from my wife's dainty lips i comforted my better self with the thought that i was in no way to blame for existing conditions if the sideboard's mirror at that moment framed a picture that might have been taken from the police gazette was i not powerless to alter the decrees of fate i had come into my wife's butterfly beauty without first sloughing off my gross chrysalis habits i playfully shook my fist at the accusatory mirror it's no reflection on me i murmured jocosely a sickly kind of smile flitted across caroline's face driving me to a stimulant again i poured out a pony of brandy to drink or not to drink that is the question i soliloquized observing with satisfaction that shakespeare tended to remove the expression of untimely hilarity in my wife's countenance oh romeo wherefore art thou romeo a joyful gleam came into caroline's eyes as i thought of van tromp i swallowed the cognac and presently saw a flush creep into my wife's cheeks the sight angered me if two or three fingers of old brandy show themselves at once in this ah uh, borrowed face of mine i reflected i might as well take the pledge at once caroline i continued addressing my remarks to the mirror i am ashamed of you if you don't quit this kind of thing you'll lose your complexion and what'll poor robin do then i am ashamed of you caroline i really didn't think that you'd go so far it suddenly came to me that i was talking in a most idiotic way and i turned caroline's left shoulder to the mirror resisting the temptation to follow the changing expressions of her face i watched the smoke from my cigar as it floated across the luncheon-table or mounted toward the ceiling at the outset i derived a good deal of satisfaction from the change of attitude my thoughts assumed a healthier tendency 
the morbid half-crazy inclinations that my mind had begun to display passed away and something like contentment with the present and hope for the future came gently to me even the question that would force itself upon me now and again as to what caroline might be doing or undoing at my office failed to destroy wholly the pleasurable calm begotten of solitude cognac and tobacco i even found myself contemplating caroline's white tapering fingers outstretched to flip the ashes from my panatella with a satisfaction that was a strange compound of pride and jealousy i could not refrain from an unworthy sense of delight at the thought that caroline was being punished for her brazen defiance of my wishes every time she glanced at my hands but i had become a creature of changing moods a prey to errant fancies as i realized that my cigar shrinking reminder of happier days was nearly smoked out and that my term of comparative freedom drew toward its end the fever of impotent rebellion burned in my veins if they were mine to a practical energetic individual accustomed to having his own way in small matters and great the recurrent conviction that he has become the plaything of mischief-loving powers concerning which he knows little or nothing is not conducive to long intervals of repose i was growing restless again eager for action but afraid to indulge in it craving news of caroline but lacking courage to obtain it suddenly a startling thought flashed upon my darkened mind illuminating convincing explanatory caroline and her friends had been dipping into oriental philosophy was it not more than probable that my wife had deliberately planned a sole transposition that had ensured her freedom and made me a captive the longer i contemplated this supposition the stronger grew my belief that caroline had attempted a psychical experiment the success of which accounted for her haughty domineering manner after breakfast it was clear enough now as i looked back upon the episodes that i have been recording my wife's horror at the discovery of our sole transposition had been merely a clever bit of acting her seizure of my mail and insistence upon a visit to my office had been parts of a well-laid plan it was evident that she had become an adept in the theory and practice of transmigration and had sacrificed me beneath the juggernaut of her eccentric ambition if she found the life of a business man attractive i was at her mercy doomed to skirts and corsets until she wearied of my career furthermore it was not unreasonable to suppose that while caroline had acquired sufficient diabolical power to transpose our identities she had not gained enough occult wisdom to restore our souls to their respective bodies if that should prove the case if she was only half educated as a psychical switch-tender the future for me became dark indeed i could see before me a long stretch of weary hopeless years down which i tottered toward a welcome grave solaced only now and then by the creature comforts that i loved the while caroline made merry with my affairs beset day after day by suzanne mrs taunton and other women in various stages of imbecility i should be driven to desperation at last and bring disgrace in some form or other upon a proud name and how cleverly caroline had played her little game had i not often complained loudly of the annoyances appertaining to a business man's life could not caroline silence my accusing tongue with the assertion that she had presented me with a life of luxurious leisure to take up burdens and responsibilities under which i had always grumbled 
had i not often protested against the new woman's efforts to better her condition on the ground that women had long enjoyed more special privileges than fell to the lot of man i was forced to acknowledge that even if caroline was responsible for our psychical interchange i could not remain consistent and utter any very emphatic complaint she would fall back upon my own propositions and prove conclusively quoting my remarks that whatever may be the case with his soul it may profit a man to lose his own body a hot wave of impotent anger swept through me and i turned in a rage toward the mirror the expression that my rebellious soul had thrust into caroline's face destroyed the last vestige of my self-control seizing a carafe from the table i hurled it at the sideboard and my wife's face disappeared in a chaos of broken looking-glass horrified at my recklessness i hurried toward the door as rapidly as my skirts would permit in the hall stood jones motionless phlegmatic gazing at me with a calmness that had in it something of superiority go in there ah uh, butler and make yourself useful i cried angrily as i brushed past him to seek the library don't be so damned statuesque a few moments later i had hooked caroline at the end of a telephone wire when are you coming up town uh my dear i managed to gasp with some show of diplomacy is that you caroline asked my wife with my voice which i was foolishly glad to hear again i've got good news for you i'm twenty thousand ahead on the day and every transaction is cleaned out great scott i exclaimed forgetting my suspicions and rage in the amazement that her words had caused i'll stop at the club on the way up went on caroline in a deep basso that vibrated with a note of intense self-satisfaction have you had a pleasant day how's mrs taunton by the way my dear edgerton was here a few moments ago mrs edgerton has a treat in store for us to-night a chill of apprehension swept over me what do you mean uh reginald i faltered she went to the lecture this morning caroline explained my wife glibly she is awfully clever don't you think she made him promise to look in on us at nine to-night him who's him i cried cold with dread yeah mamma answered my voice exultantly good god caroline i yelled through the phone but my wife had cut me off stumbling into a chair i rested caroline's aching head upon her moist trembling hand yeah mamma i murmured terror-stricken he's the chocolate-coloured adept that mrs taunton referred to pigs frogs he's the scoundrel that put caroline up to this he is coming here to look at me damn him excessive emotion had undone me i felt the hot tears scorching caroline's cold hand end of part one chapter seven and eight